Well, good morning and welcome to church and happy Father's Day to those fathers amongst us. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it to myself, I'm saying it to everybody else out there, that's fine. It's funny, it's these times of celebration that we find it really hard to kind of connect with one another, and especially in this moment of lockdown, we find it really difficult for us to, to connect with one another as, as, as we would love to. So in that space, we bring our last message, our last message in the series of the seven messages to the church found in Revelation. As we've been looking through these messages, we've noticed that each of these messages have been specific for an individual church found in, in, in Asia Minor, which is where we would call Turkey and, and nowadays, but it also is a message for us as a church but us as individuals. So whenever the Bible talks about the church, we realise and we understand that that message doesn't speak to those who are outside and elsewhere. They're not speaking to another denomination. They're not speaking to the church over the road or down the road or wherever it might be. They're not speaking to another church within our own brand. It's speaking to us. And that's what we need to realise and remember. It speaks to me and it speaks to you. So over the six weeks we've had messages where we've looked at the message to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergunum, to Thyatira, to Sardis and to the church in Philadelphia last week. <coughs> Excuse me. And today we're going to be looking at the last of our churches, Laodicea. Now, Laodicea, I'm going to start with this little bit of tidbit of information for us just so we kind of understand it. Laodicea is the only church in the seven churches that are mentioned here that Jesus gives a message to that he doesn't actually say a good thing about the church. It's the only one that he actually gives the complaint and the only complaint. There's no, he's actually saying there's nothing good about this. And we're going to kind of unpack that for us today. So let's just jump, jump back into the, into the Bible again. Let's just jump back into Revelation um, chapter 3, and let's just read it and listen to what he's saying to us again today and let it speak into our hearts. Let the Holy Spirit speak into us again so that we may hear this and understand it with fresh and open eyes, with fresh hearts. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. And just another little bit of tidbit of information for you. This is the only, the only opening and introduction of Jesus that is not given really in the, in the basis of the Revelation 1. You know, we hear the names of Jesus and the, the description of Jesus from Revelation 1. It's used again for each of the churches. Here we're getting this is the final message. This is Jesus that brings completion here. This is important for us to hear. You as the church, this is the amen. This is the one that brings completion to everything. He brings the beginning of a new creation and we need to be ready for it. And here's what Jesus says to the church. And now I know all the things you do. 
You are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm a rich and I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realise that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and anoint ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. We'll leave it just there because that's actually the the message, the criticism that is going to this church and to us. It's if you think about it, it's actually a pretty harsh message to the church, isn't it? You know, you're, you're lukewarm and I want to spit you out. So let's break this down so we can actually get some understanding of what this message is actually speaking to the church today and what it might mean for us today as well. Let's have a look at lukewarm, first of all, the thing that Jesus says the church is, is about. It's being lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. And I just want to actually you know, and, and phrase it that you are wretched and miserable. So that lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, comes in as being wretched and miserable as well. But let me, let me also say, give you this. The city, Laodicea, interesting city, really wealthy, really well-to-do, but it was also <clears throat> what we would call a, a primary hub for the the Roman aqueduct system. Now, the aqueduct system that the Romans built was how they could move the water around from city to city to place to place so they actually had um, water. Water for cities that didn't have natural rivers that could bring water in. And Laodicea had water that came into the city, so its, it's spring source was actually a hot spring. It was a nearby hot spring, and as the water came in, it reached the city, and it was this white, warm, lukewarm, milky water. If you drank it in that state, that lukewarm state, people would get sick. They would vomit. They would be unwell. They had to either let it go cold or they had to boil it and make it hot again. But if they drank it when it was lukewarm, they would often end up vomiting. And I love the parallel that Jesus gives in this message to the physical reality of the city that they're in. The church is like that lukewarm water. You take it in and Jesus just wants to spit it back out, wants to vomit it out. And, and, And it's interesting because when you think about this church, it's a church that's going on, it's doing things. It's not, it's not a church that's stopped. Lukewarm doesn't mean that you've stopped. You've still got something going on. You've still got activities happening. But you're not on fire. The complaint that Jesus had for the church was that they were neither turned completely off, they hadn't shut down, they hadn't gone away, but they weren't hot. They were no longer on fire for the Lord. They were no longer seeking that God, with that spiritual hunger, they were no longer yearning for that renewal that only God can give them. They were working out of their own strength and well-being. 
They had become spiritually lukewarm. They went through the motions. They did the things they needed to do, but they were not on fire. They were not hot for God, were they? Laodicea, like some of the other towns, like Smyrna, was a city that um, where the church wasn't undergoing persecution. It's not a church that had really fallen into horrible false doctrine. On the outside, as you look at this church, you'd go, hang on, this church is doing really well. It appears strong, you know, the people are prosperous, they've got money, they can, they can get to church, they're free and happy to worship. Um, yet it comes under the harshest of criticisms of all of the seven churches. Jesus says to this church, you are wretched and you are miserable. So the people in this church thought that they were rich and they had everything, yet they were poor. So let's explore this little concept for us because Jesus actually really, and I love this passage, I love this section and how the parallel between what is actually happening in each of these cities is paralleled in the message that Jesus is giving back to them. And here, this message is giving back to the church in Laodicea and saying that they are poor. See, Laodicea was actually known for a city that was actually really rich. It was one of the wealthiest cities around that area for that time. And, and, and over the weeks I've been saying that these cities often would have an earthquake that would come that would flatten them and they'd have to rebuild. Laodicea, when, when an earthquake came in around um, AD 61, Laodicea was actually so wealthy and so independent that they actually didn't need to borrow any money from, from Rome, the governing bodies at all. Unlike all the other cities in the region, they could boast that they rebuilt themselves. Actually, if you go into... Um, the, the historical documents about this city, and you actually look at it, some of the historical writers saying that this city was so proud and independent, so well-resourced and wealthy that they didn't have to borrow. They were able to rebuild themselves. So, so the church, Jesus is saying the church, just like this city, was boasting in their own wealth. They were boasting in their own self-sufficiency. They thought they had it all. They didn't need anything. They'd accumulated enough wealth to be comfortable. They no longer needed to trust in God for provisions or for themselves. And Jesus says to the church to buy gold from him, gold that has been purified by fire. Notice this, not gold of the city. See, gold was one of those chief exports of Laodicea. It was one of the reasons that the city and the church had become so rich. They were able to export gold out. People would come and buy gold from them. In 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it says this. So to be truly glad, there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole church. 
See, here what Jesus is saying to the church is don't, don't take hold of what the city is giving. Don't think that your wealth is going to get you through. You are poor in spirit. Take hold of faith, faith that is tested, faith that comes through trusting in God, not in the things that you can accumulate yourself. See, faith in God is so much more valuable than the physical gold. And here the, here the significance of buying gold that has been purified by fire speaks directly to the people of the church. They need to be able to buy the gold that is purified by fire. That is, they need to have faith. Not a lacklustre faith, but faith that is produced in the trials. That's really the, the, the meaning of what it means to be purified by fire, to be tested, to be pushed, to have the impurities come out of us. Faith in God that has been deepened during the tough times when it's so easy to let go of God, that is the faith. Faith that is tested through the tough times is the faith that Jesus is saying to these people in this church, that is what you need to buy. Don't trust in your wealth, trust in God. But Jesus doesn't just stop there in this message to the church. He, he drills it at home further by saying that not only are they lukewarm and I want to spit you out, not only are they poor, but you're naked as well. And it's interesting because later see that the city was actually really well known for, for manufacturing clothing and particularly clothing the, from the wool of the sheep that grazed in the area. And that the city was actually had a specialty of producing a soft, glossy black um, wool. And Jesus says to him, and I love the contrast here, Jesus says to the church to buy a white garment, not the black garments, but a white garment from him. Not to become self-sufficient, as the city is saying, within the clothing trade, but to put on the cloth, cloth of truth that is found in the gospel. See, this is, this is telling the church that they need to do more than just the lip service that we have. They need to come back into the truth of what, what the Bible is saying. They need to come back into the faith in Jesus Christ. They need to know the salvation that comes from Christ alone, not through their own wealth and expertise. As you can see here, Jesus is really taking everything that that the church and the city is priding itself on and turning it around and saying you need to have faith in Jesus alone. And he pushes it even further. He says, you're, you're lukewarm, I want to spit you out. You're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're naked and you're also blind. Save the best for last, really. We're kind of really ramming it home here, Jesus, to, to this church. Laodicea was the city again, was actually known for producing an eye, an eye ointment. 
that was used to kind of treat several eye disease. Laodicea was a city that was known for medical healing, especially through this eye ointment. It made them wealthy again. People came to be healed in that space, to have their eyes opened so that they could see again. Jesus is saying that you're blind, but what does he say that they need to have? Buy the white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. And that's what he wants them to do. He wants them to see again, to see the truth. See the truth that they are spiritually blind, that the church had fallen away from sound doctrine. Because Jesus corrects and disciplines everyone that he loves. So this is not Jesus coming to the church and saying, you're you're terrible, you're wrong, you're horrible. This is just Jesus saying, you've fallen away and I want you back. This is Jesus saying to each and every one of us, when we start to think that we are becoming lukewarm and drifting away, Jesus wants us to come back to being on fire again with the Lord. Not to be lukewarm, not to be spat out, but to be on fire and fully on fire. To have your spiritual blindness taken away. Jesus turns this comfortable, well-to-do, easy-riding church and says, you haven't got it. You don't have it. You're lukewarm. Yeah, you go through the motions, but that's not good enough. This lukewarmness that they have, it's causing the church to be spat out. See, lukewarmness is probably the worst thing that you could have as a church. Being a lukewarm Christian is something that I don't want to be. I want to be a Christian that is on fire. I want to be a Christian that's on fire for the Lord. I want to be a Christian that I don't want to be cold. I want to be hot. I want to be on fire for God. I want my faith in Jesus to make a difference in my life and in the lives of those around me. This is what it means not to be lukewarm, that you have, you make a difference in people's lives. Your faith makes a difference in yours. You make choices. You change who you are. You don't rely just on your own things, on your own ability, but you rely on God to let you live a life of abundance. So how do we know as individuals And as a church, when we become lukewarm, how do we know when we have become tepid? I love that word, tepid. It it kind of makes you feel like, how do you know that? Let me give you four things, four signs that you may be becoming lukewarm. The first is this. And this is what the the biggest thing that Jesus has against the church in Laodicea. And it's the same for us today. 
that you rely on things rather than on Jesus. Material possessions, the wealth you've accumulated, the looks that you may have, the smarts that you might have, rely upon the things rather than upon God. You let them become your God. Even if you proclaim that you are a Christian, even if you have said for Jesus to come into your life, if you don't trust in Jesus wholeheartedly, you actually are becoming a bit lukewarm. You know that you are lukewarm when you are more confident in your own ability to live each day on your own resources than you are when letting God lead you in all the days of your lives. See, when trouble comes, you fall back onto the things that you've accumulated. You haven't fallen back onto God. You know you're lukewarm when you slip into trusting the things that you have and not the relationship with Jesus. The second thing that we know that that is an indicator of you becoming lukewarm is this. Your only spiritual nourishment comes once a week on Sunday during this message. The only time that you're reading your Bible is that it's being read out the front here or you're reading it on the screen. You know you're lukewarm. If the only time you're praying is when in Sunday we pray, we know that you're lukewarm. If the only time that you're seeking God is Sunday morning during the service, you know that you are becoming lukewarm. Yes, you've got faith. Yes, you've said yes to Jesus and you want him, but your faith is not on fire. It is not hungry for God. You know, we, we should never forsake gathering together to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We should be encouraging one another. We, we should be looking for all the spiritual disciplines that will allow us to dwell in God's word, within the Bible, within prayer, within worship, when we can serve the city around us in the name of Jesus Christ. This causes us to, to step up in our faith, to trust God on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. I don't want to become lukewarm. I want to be on fire for God. We know we're becoming lukewarm. Here's the third reason we know we're becoming lukewarm is, and this is a harder one for us to actually start to understand, but it's really true and important for us, that is that we be actually become blind to our own spiritual health. Now, if the, the first two things about um, becoming lukewarm have caused you to feel a little bit uncomfortable, then that is good because it's actually meant to make you feel slightly uncomfortable. Jesus here in speaking to the church in Laodicea wants them to feel uncomfortable to realise that they are not doing as well as they thought they were. They've become blind to their own spiritual health. Question for you, have you become comfortable with doing activities rather than doing activities that take you away from God 
rather than doing activities that honour God. There's a slow spiritual drift away from the life-giving relationship of our Lord and our Saviour Jesus Christ when we start letting the world tell us that we can just have this little thing. Do this, it won't hurt you. We start getting desensitised to the truth of the gospel and the waters, instead of being hot, become lukewarm and they have no spiritual value anymore. We let our lives slip. We need to actually put a thermometer into our spiritual health and do that spiritual health check. Are we praying? Are we reading the Bible? Are we seeking God all the days of our lives? Are we wanting to know more and more? Are we wanting to share the good news with those around us? Is, is it burning within us? If we're saying no to all of these things, if we're saying I want to trust in my own stuff that I have, then we're losing sight that our spiritual health is going away. It is like when we ignore the warning signs within our own body about our own physical health, the pain, the niggles, the bits and pieces within our lives. We kind of go, oh, no, that's okay, that's just normal. And then one day you go to the doctor and they say to you, actually, you're really unhealthy. This is what we need to do for our spiritual life. We need to check ourselves. Let us not be blind to what's happening. The fourth thing, and this is hard, this is a hard thing for a church because we do it so often. This is a hard thing for a denomination and for Christian tradition in general. We know we're becoming lukewarm when we elevate church traditions above to the when we elevate church traditions above what they should be, when we elevate to them to the level of being um, in scripture, to being biblically true and important. Let me let me break it down for you. We know we're becoming lukewarm in our faith when we defend more the way we do things than actually the Word of God. The centrepiece of our faith is faith in Jesus Christ. It's not faith in singing hymns. It's not faith in coming to church on a Sunday in a building with pews. It's not faith in having stained glass windows. It's not faith in this technology that we have in front of us that we can meet together. Our faith, the centrepiece of our faith is in Jesus Christ. When we start placing the things that we have above and beyond our faith in Christ, then we have lost sight of what it is. It is not the activities of the church that is important. It is our faith in Christ. Yes, we need to do those things. God calls us to be active within our society, within our community, within the world around us. Yes, we do these things. We sing songs, we sing hymns, we let stained glass speak to us. All of these things are vitally important because they help us to centre ourselves again to praise our God, our maker, our saviour, to put our faith back in Jesus. It is not that they become the object of our faith. They point us 
to the object of our faith, which is Jesus. So when we elevate the, the things that we use to point us to Jesus, to the level of Scripture, to the level of being truth, then we become lukewarm. If we start to find ourselves becoming lukewarm, then Jesus says we need to do something. We actually need to turn away from our indifference. We need to open our eyes and see again. We need to clothe our souls with the scripture again. We need to get on fire so that we are warm. We need to trust in Jesus, even in the hard times, faith that trusts in him. Jesus says we need to turn away from our indifference. This is another way of saying that we need to repent and turn back to God. We need to have a revival back to God. These seven messages to the church found in Revelation help us to see how we may have drifted away from the life-giving love of Jesus in our lives. So let us hear the message that the Holy Spirit is giving to us today. So if you have ears to hear, listen to what God is saying to you through his word found in the Bible. So let us just pray together. I'm just going to pray for us specifically today, praying specifically that for those that may feel as though that they've become lukewarm in their faith. And then I'm going to hand it over to Annette who's going to lead us in our time of prayers of the people. So let's just pray. Loving, gracious, all-consuming, ever-present God of the universe, you challenge us with your word found in the Bible. You challenge us today about what it means to be lukewarm, to say that, we have faith. But to be trusting not in you, God, but in our own strength, our own ability to do things, our own wealth. Lord, help us to realise, open our eyes, Lord, that we may see where we have become spiritually lukewarm. Lord, nudge us, push us, prompt us. Put something in front of us right now that will stop us in our tracks so that we can turn around and see you, God. Lord, I just pray right now. I pray for our people. I pray for the people that are hearing this message that you may become on fire for God once more, that your passion for Jesus may, may really shape your lives, that you may become that fully devoted disciple of Jesus, wanting to spread the good news of Jesus Christ into all of the world. May our lives reflect this. May our church reflect this. May New Beginnings Uniting Church be known as a church that is not lukewarm, but known as a church that is on fire for God, on fire for God to spread the gospel and the good news, to rejoice and celebrate, to share and support, to, to help and to serve. 
Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit be upon each and every one today as they hear this message. May your Holy Spirit convict our hearts today. I pray this in the power of Jesus' name. Amen.